This podcast was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Wadawurrung people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hi, you're listening to Ingridopedia, a factual food fight podcast, but instead of burgers and pies, we sling interesting facts, uses, recipes, and stories about a particular ingredient every episode. I'm Ben Birchall, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Naismith. Hi, Em. Hi, Ben. Today, we're going to talk about ham. I feel like it's the right time of the year. It's Christmas time, which means ham. That's like the number one Christmas ingredient. Ham, ham, ham. Yeah. It's also the number one Boxing Day ingredient True. and for several days afterwards. Yeah. Well, we'll go into that. It, okay. it, may, be, it may be a little bit longer. We'll see. All right. Strap in. Okay, Ben. Christmas ham. Yes. Are you into it? Yes, very much. Same. I'm heavily into it. Um, love Christmas ham. Obsessed. Eat it with lashings of butter for a while after Christmas. Always. Pure deliciousness. The superior form of ham. Uh, no arguments. <laughs> okay. So that's the form of ham we love. Um, and I guess there are some forms of ham that I'm less familiar with that I wanted to explore mm. today. So I went on a little research trip to my local supermarket, which is my favourite activity, just dawdling the aisles, sussing out the new products. Is this ever since I told you that um, uh, food-related products are tax-deductible? <laughs> that, that's increased my um, okay, frequency of visitations, but, but no, it was, it's been a hobby for a while. Um, I came across two ham products that... Um, I'll be honest, filled me with horror rather than joy. <laughs> okay. I wasn't actively looking for terrible products. Um, I was just looking for ham products I'd never tried. And it just so happens that these two look particularly horrific. Yep. Um, so to be fair to the products, I don't know if they're actually horrendous or just conceptually horrendous. <laughs> Maybe yep. they're actually delicious. Fair. So item number one. Yeah, deviled I ham. Pex deviled ham would come out. I've never tried this. Yeah. I've never even seen it. Um, I think you won't be surprised to know that my mum Gail is <laughs> okay. uh, into the uh, Pex paste, the deviled ham spread. Well, it gave me a shock because I was just perusing the peanut butter because that's my current obsession, and it's just casually next to the peanut butter and veggie. <laughs> that seems just wrong. The ham spread. You have a, like a, some sort of divider between it. <laughs> I know. Um, so. It doesn't really say how it should be used, but I'm fairly sure it should just be on a cracker or on bread. Like there's a little piece of baguette here with some ham spread yeah. and a bit of um, lettuce and avocado. Yeah, look, um, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk you through Gail, the way yeah. Gail would use it. It's like a layered sandwich. Like if you're doing finger sandwiches for an event, you yeah. do like a layer of pex paste, a layer of egg a layer of cucumber oh. and sort of do like layered sandwiches and then cut them up she had a, a special like electric knife yeah a little bit <laughs> she had an electric knife so she could cut them nice cut the crusts off and it becomes like a finger, yeah, nice. finger sandwich. my mom has one of them too yeah sorry not lasagna um the tuna, tuna, casserole. tuna casserole yeah that yeah. had the layers with the yeah. egg too yeah she loves a layer she loves an egg hi mum. <laughs> it's made in france which is interesting classy <laughs> so you know it's good <laughs> Okay, the consistency is a bit more moussey than I'd expect. Mm. And it's got a kind of um, pinkish tinge. I thought it was brown, but then when I dipped my knife in, it's pinky. Yeah. It's reminding me a lot of cat food at the moment. Yeah. 
quite a thick layer. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll do a bit that. of a thinner one for me. <laughs> <laughs> of course you will. Mm, okay. I can smell something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it smells salty is what it smells mm. Tammy. Yeah. It's not bad. I don't know where the deviled comes into it. Oh. What does but it mean to be deviled? Deviled is usually like spiced, I think. Okay, this is going to make me feel a bit more sick. <laughs> the ingredients, pork, 71%, mm-hmm. in brackets, tongue, heart, <laughs> and pork meat. <laughs> so the main That's ingredient is pork tongue. <laughs> mm. And then water... Wheat flour, salt, flavour enhancer. Yeah. MSG. That's probably why it tastes yeah, that's not right. bad. Yeah. Okay. Well. it's It has its place. Yeah. Uh, because it's like, it, it adds the salt, say in that layered sandwich, it, yeah. it adds the salt. Um, that's pretty much all it adds. Like there's a bit of smokiness, a bit of hamminess, not much deviled going on, but no. like a lot, like very salt forward. What does deviled actually mean in food? Well, like a deviled egg, you, you would... Um, uh, you would add like curry paste or must- oh, okay. mustard powder or something yeah, to, okay. to add some spice. Well, can't say I'll be coming back to that. Okay. I would much prefer well, other spreads. Can I take that then? I'll give it yeah, to Gail. She definitely. might have an event coming up Go for the for holidays. Um, so that kind of passed the test. My next one <laughs> is truly horrific conceptually. Okay. Yeah. So let me introduce you to Primo Scrambles. Oh, yeah. This I've seen on ads on TV and I'm every time it comes on, it's one of those ads that comes just on every streaming platform break. It's just a Primo Scrambles ad mm. a few months ago. Who on earth would buy these? I've never seen them at supermarket. So okay, talk me through them. So it's, okay, it's so pre-scrambled egg or is it? The funny thing. Okay. So it's a little bucket with, mm. um, it's like a bucket kind of a bit smaller than you'd get like, um, like Instant yo- noodles. Oh, yeah, or like a yogurt tub size. Yeah. Um, and so it says super cheesy leg ham and it's got a picture of scrambled eggs with bits of ham in it. Yeah. So the idea, I guess, is you add something and then it becomes scrambled eggs. Funnily enough, it doesn't actually contain the egg <laughs> yet. Right. You have to... BYO egg. You put BYO egg. Yeah. Right. Okay. So <laughs> Which I mean, kind of like if you're bringing your own egg, just scramble an egg. <laughs> like it's literally just using a fork and beating an egg and maybe adding some milk. Okay. Anyway, the steps are remove lid from the cup and empty the contents of the sachet into a cup. Okay. I thought this was like a little cup you could make it Yeah. Yourself. Why wouldn't you just make it in there? Oh, okay. I can see I'm plastic in, in plastic. I can see... Ooh, lots of little cubed bits yeah, of ham. Yeah, bits of questionable ham. Over my computer. And just a packet of cheese. So it's literally just ham it's and just cheese ham and in cheese. a bowl. And then you BYO egg. <laughs> this is a con. <laughs> this is a con. Um, and then why is it in so much... Like if you're not using the... Yeah, surely it's designed to use it's this It's designed cup. to use it in a I'm cup, I'm sure right? it's probably got like... It's, from probably that kind of plastic that you're not technically supposed to put yeah, hot stuff in. Yeah, but otherwise so it'd just legally... be in a plastic bag, right? Yeah. It'd just be ham and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay. Anyway, gonna... I bought this actually weirdly from um, the supermarket in Fitzroy, mm. which is, it wasn't at my 
local yeah. Box Hill supermarket. Which is a yes yeah, so for for those playing along at home, a bit more of a bougie kind yeah. of upmarket and inner city suburb. Then I had to conceal the Primo scrambles in my bag when I went to the hairdresser, <laughs> so she didn't think I'd actually <laughs> buy Primo scrambles. And then at work today, I had to conceal it in the fridge, so people didn't. My colleagues didn't think I was legitimately eating Primo scrambles. <laughs> anyway, let's give it a go. So remove lid, blah, blah, blah. Empty. I'm going to empty the contents into a cup. Yeah. Okay. But then are we making scrambled eggs? Like. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the point of it, isn't it? But, okay. I bu- I BYO'd egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, where are we up to? <laughs> Just softer set scrambled eggs, add a dash of milk or water. Don't have the milk, so I'll just add a dash of water. Mix ingredients with a fork until well combined. Looking disgusting, but oh, there's a big clump of cheese. And then cook in microwave on high for 30 seconds. Remove and stir. Cook for a further 30 seconds. Let me go and do that. Okay. All right. To be continued. (laughs) Okay. Back from the microwave. Oh boy. Okay. It looks like <laughs> a microwave pudding. You know, when you. Yeah. It's, it's very it's set. It's solid. Yes. Yeah. I sh- maybe should have added more milk or water, but um, yeah. So it kind of looks like a pudding with ham and cheese. Did you stir it halfway through? I stirred it halfway through. Yeah. Let's give it a go. I mean, it looks hot. There's a lot. Yeah. Of- I mean, the eggs cook. Definitely. Yeah. Not very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely prefer my own scrambled eggs. Yeah. Like, this is, yeah. it seems pointless, yeah. very pointless. Also, like, the whole kind of point of, I guess, ham in scrambled eggs is you let it caramelize in the pan and crisp up a yeah. bit, and then the, the kind of the good ham like fats it. come out into the egg. Yeah, I don't like the cubed ham. Yeah. It's reminding me of cheese and bacon rolls, but in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. You want to try some? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> in summary, if you're eating ham... Don't go it in spread form. Don't go it in primo scrambles form. <laughs> Just Christmas ham all the way. All the way. Emily, uh, how long would you say a ham should be aged for? Have you have you been sort of looking into no, aging of hams? I don't know anything about this kind of thing. I'm assuming the longer the better. Well, that that seems to be, yeah, in, in some cases. So, yeah, um... There's there's two ways of curing a ham. There's brine curing, which is in a sort of salty water solution, which is how most commercial hams uh, are made. Uh, and brine curing requires about four days per pound of ham. Um, dry curing, in some cases, is faster, um, and that's uh, that's a bit more of a, a traditional way of, of curing a ham. That takes two to three days per pound. But then when you get into the very very high quality hams, which I don't have any here, mm. um, but like a and a jamon iberico, like a Spanish uh, iberico balota ham, it cures between 36 and 48 months. So they'll salt it wow, okay. and dry cure it for like basically like four years and they'll, they'll sort of hang it there and then, you know, all the flavors develop. Yeah, that's um, why it tastes so good. Yeah. So you would eat a 48-month-old ham? Yeah. Okay. Would you eat a 120-year-old ham? Okay. Let me think about the sanitary techniques 120 years ago. I don't know if I would. Okay. but Okay. You wouldn't, but technically you could if you could make it through security and a 24-hour-a-day live streaming camera at the Isle of Wight County Museum in Smithfield, Virginia. 
Um, this is from an article in Gastro Obscura. There's a 120-year-old ham, which is reportedly the oldest in the world. Uh, it was originally cured in 1902 by the Gwaltney Foods Meat Company before it was lost in storage. On its rediscovery two decades later, the elated Pembroke D. Gwaltney Jr. made the piece of pork his pet ham. Uh, he put a brass collar on it and he oh paraded God. it around <laughs> no. various expositions to prove to customers his meat could be kept without being refrigerated because he'd been mm. lost in a cupboard for I'm 20 getting years. getting magician vibes off this guy. <laughs> yeah. So supposedly microbiologists say the ham is technically still edible. However, it's not a delicacy anyone would enjoy picking out on as the taste and sensory experience of the cured ham may not appeal to modern palates. The appearance of the ham itself has garnered comparisons to dried leather and an expired human arm. Mm. Uh, but the good news is you can check that. You can check it out. Let, let's have a. We can have a look at it because yeah. the ham's housed in the Isle of Wight County Museum, which is also home to the world's oldest peanut. Okay, peanut. I, cool. go, I want to go to this museum. <laughs> uh, it occupies a climate-controlled display case with two other hams. One which is uh, apparently the world's uh, largest ham, and a non-stop live-streamed. Ham cam allows anyone to keep up to date with the preserved pork. So let, I like the idea of a ham. Let's cam. check in on the ham cam. Um, okay, well it's night time. Okay. Obviously, here's the ham down here. That's the world's largest ham. There seems there. to be lots of interesting ham technology in the. I mean, interesting technology used in the ham space. Like I, in my research, I came across. Um, the metaverse for a ham production <laughs> production thing. I'm like meta ham. Yeah, so meta ham, ham cam. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the other the other good news about the world's oldest ham in the, at the Isle of Wight Museum in Smithfield, Virginia, is that uh, it has its own Twitter account. Um, so, and I just checked it earlier. It tweeted 19 hours ago. Uh, it's just telling us about the entrance and side doors of the museum that are holiday ready with lovely wreaths from the Women's Club of Smith. Smithfield um, Earlier tweets There's some guy Who's got a 3D printed ham Hanging around his neck Oh nice You can see the ham In the background there Well um, this is the ham's Time of year It really so, I is I mean no worries yeah. It's going nuts on Twitter It really is So um, we'll, we'll, sh we'll share a link to that If you want to check in On ham cam um, <laughs> We're on the wrong side Of the world It's night time there I haven't actually seen it In full colour yeah. Every time well, I've checked in alarm, It's been please. We'll do We'll do um, Yeah Ham cam alarm Coming up So this is a big one for me. A um, little bit of therapy, as usual. More just, just working through a few things. Okay. Want to go back to my childhood briefly and your childhood? What was your pizza of choice as a kid? Uh, ham and like Hawaiian. Okay. Hawaiian pizza. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was a very, very um, sheltered child, and I was only f fed um, capricciosa. Okay. And I thought pizzas were just capriciosas until I started going to sleepovers at like school friends' houses. People started getting nothing with anchovies, just Hawaiian and margarita. Yeah. And yeah, you, you're you um, at one with Australia because it's, Hawaiian is actually Australia's most popular is it? pizza. Yeah. Wow, not the Aussie. No. Which is the basically a Hawaiian without pineapple and an egg. Yeah. Or my brother used to get Aussie with no egg. I'm like, okay, well, that's, just, that's just a ham. That's just ham. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, I wanted to fit in. So naturally I started wanting margarita and Hawaiian at home when we got pizzas as takeaway. Mm. My dad absolutely put his foot down very strongly, 
always stated pineapple has no place on a pizza. Never buy one. Um, I think I was allowed margarita for a while, but then I went back to Capriciosa. Um, We're not surrounded by my, by my friends. And friends is a term I lose use loosely, by the way, because kind of felt like I never really... Don't worry, that's real. That's real therapy. Um, wow. Back to pizza. <laughs> yeah, I was really strapping in for that one. <laughs> I feel like I should be charging more if we're going to go there. Whoa, okay. Um, yeah, so basically I grew up thinking pineapple on pizza was an abomination because of my dad and had it a few times as a teen at parties. wasn't great, usually cold, like gross tinned pineapple, soggy shredded ham. Mm. Not a lot going for it. What did you like about it? Uh, I mean, I love, I love a mix of salty and sweet, yeah, you know, okay. like I used to have Vegemite and honey on my toast. Like it's, yeah. I don't know, weird Asian palate. I don't know what it was, but mm. it really, it, it spoke to me. Well, annoyingly, this opposition to pineapple on pizza has become part of my personality. <laughs> like I've written articles for Broadsheet <laughs> oh, wow. about pineapple on pizza. Did a thing <laughs> about how wrong it was in our pineapple episode, which was like episode three, I think. Yeah, so it's like part of me, but lately I've been thinking about the flavours and oh, wow. I'm open to trying it again. Are we getting like a character arc from the <laughs> 55 <laughs> yeah. episodes of, of Ingridipedia? Yeah. Um, I guess especially if it's done well on my own terms. <laughs> so about a week um, or so ago, I knew ham was our theme. So I got some really good ham from like cut off the bone from the Pran market, got some good quality mozzarella, got a fresh pineapple, Made my own pizza bases with like yeast and stuff. Like made them, like did those two rising things. Got some good pizza sauce. I've got a good oven now. I didn't get especially for this, but it can wow. go. You went, you went all out. <laughs> it has a pizza setting. Like everything's aligning. Um, put it all together. Served at a dinner party. No one wanted it. No one <laughs> really? wanted it. Except for one of my friends who's really polite. Um, but I made other pizzas. And so you use the okay. term friend loosely. Because, sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I had, um, the saltiness of the ham, the sweetness and the juiciness of the roasted pineapple, the cheesy cheese. I liked it. Mm. There was a lot to like. Wow. Um, so maybe I'm a reformed hater, but having said that, that's my own homemade Hawaiian pizza. Yeah. So I guess the real question is, do I like the standard Hawaiian pizza now too? Okay. I know where this is going. Made from just your run of the mill standard pizza shop. No fancy stuff. I got some. Okay. I I said no to all the fancy pizza places I drove past on the way here. And I said, let's go to the standard place, the cheap place. It's been about half an hour since I ordered it, which I think is, <laughs> I think is um, the way most people eat these kind yeah, of pizzas. That's true. Just yep. chuck them on a table at a work function or yep. at a sleepover. We can sleepover this and... is some sort of, this is a work function. Okay. So this is the Hawaiian pizza. Oh, oh, it's got the fancy it table thing. Good. Yeah, it's got like yeah, the little doll's house table. Okay. It's not the ham I expected. It's not the shredded ham that I don't really like. No, I think maybe this is a bit of a fancy place that oh, you accidentally went to. No, it's... Oh, is it? All right, let's go. But it is... Yeah, it's like, it's like a shaved leg ham. Yeah, it's I not, need to get a bite yet. with pineapple and ham. Yeah. I like it. It's good. I'm so really? hungry though. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Probably better than mine, to be honest, <laughs> but I'm very hungry. <laughs> it's really good. Hold on. This will be the true test, a bit with three chunks of pineapple. Right. Mm, okay. That was a bit too sweet. 
you just got to work out where yeah. you buy it yeah. and get the strategic bits of ham and pineapple mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's delicious. I think you accidentally got really good pizza. <laughs> uh, okay, Emily, we've eaten a lot of different forms of ham already. We've had ham paste. Mm. We've had ham scramble. Mm. had ham on a pizza. I'm just going to pull out a little prop for you. How do you feel when you see this? Uh, okay, you just pulled out some spam. Um, yeah. I feel confused. Yeah. On one hand, I don't know if I've ever, I've never bought it and had okay. it out of the tin. Okay. I might have had it at restaurants. Like I think it's a, I think Korean restaurants might use it. Yeah, correct. But um, yeah, something I'd never buy. But I mean, I hope you have some because I'm open uh, to tasting it. I kind of, I kind of. You ate it. I ate it last night. <laughs> um, uh, I'll tell you about it. Um, but. And some people might say, say, it's the ham episode. What are you doing bringing out spam? But let's just play a little classic television ad from 1980s Australia. You don't say ham, you say spam. Spam is real spice. Ham, you don't say ham, you say spam. You don't say ham, you say spam. Spam is real spice. Ham, you don't say ham, you say spam. When you want to serve delicious meals for your family, you don't say ham, you say spam. So I don't know if you caught there, but spam is apparently real spiced ham. Um, I mean, it's processed meat. Its ingredients are 92% pork, water, salt, thickener, sugar, preservative, color, and humectant, mm. 1520. Uh, the serving suggestion is some sort of uh, hamburger, but using spam instead of the burger. Spam um, burger. Spam burger. Spam burger. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Your, your reaction is maybe atypical, like it was just confused and not grossed out because oh, it's grossed out because it's in the shape of a rectangle yeah okay well if you're reflect reflexively grossed out which in, actually you know when i opened it i kind of was you're not alone but um what you're reacting to is not just the shape of the ha- the the canned spiced ham or the smell you're reacting to spam stigma so what's spam stigma and where did it come from? So let's go on a little tour of World War II history. Oh, okay. This is a, uh, a lot of this is from an article in Time magazine, an article called Asian American Chefs Are Embracing Spam, But How Did the Canned Meat Make Its Way Into Their Cultures? Snappy title. Wow, tell me. So let's go back. Hormel Foods Corporation, a US-based food conglomerate, produced the first can of Spam, a mix of pork, salt, water, sugar, and sodium nitrate, in 1937 in Minnesota. But the canned meat really rose to international prominence during World War II. Uh, so after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, the American military was deployed. I'm not making this up. This is all... Okay. Em, stay with me. The uh, American military was deployed to the Pacific and troops made their way to places like Guam, Japan, the Philippines and South Korea. And where- wherever American troops went, spam followed. And it stuck around uh, after the war ended um, and when the American military presence stayed in all of these countries. Um, it was basically an affordable, easy-to-store source of protein, which was the difference between starving and living for countries who were rebuilding after the war. I mean, these countries were absolutely devastated by World War II. Uh, during the period, Spam began to make its way into local dishes. Barbara Funamura, a Japanese-American woman from Hawaii, is credited with having invented Spam Masubi, 
a slice of grilled spam on top of a block of, of sushi rice wrapped together with a nori roll. You might have had that okay. before. Um, quite a delicious little little treat. A similar narrative repeated itself on the Korean Peninsula. During the Korean War, people would rummage through the leftovers of the American military bases and create a dish using items they found. The dish known as Budae Jjigae or Army Stew combines traditional Korean ingredients such as kimchi and rice cakes with American novelty like Spam and American cheese. Oh, yeah. That actually sounds like it could be pretty good. Yeah. So you can see how necessity kind of built Spam into the culture of these places. Um, So this is where the stigma comes in. So the Asian regions that were introduced to Spam weren't the only places where the meat showed up in post-war years. In Britain, during the economic hardship that followed World War II, Spam was also an affordable alternative to fresh meat, but as its popularity there waned, the British contributed to many stereotypes people now have about Spam. So you might be thinking of the Monty Python sketch or their musical Spam-a-lot, where they basically kind of lampoon Spam. But in the Asia-Pacific region, locals that uh, sort of never had an opportunity to make fun of Spam, they still needed it in their diets as, as protein. So the British were able to recover somewhat economically, whereas the Asian Pacific places were slower too. So they they needed Spam, whereas white people started mocking Spam. The less they needed it, the more they mocked it. Uh, In her piece, Spam Stigma, an open letter to white people, US-based Philippines-born writer Josephine Ina Carino writes, To you, Spam is not some exotic delicacy up for grabs for you to culturally appropriate. But Spam is not your bitch, not your prize, not the next addition to your lunchtime Buddha bowl. In fact, your disdain for Spam reveals so much about the position of privilege and power that you and the rest of bougie white America possess. If you're thinking, why should I care? At this point, I'll tell you. It's because shaming people for eating Spam and other undesirable food shows your outdated orientalism, your high horse, your contempt for all things un-American. In short, it shows the imbalance in a power dynamic that not only denigrates people of colour, but also stems from the American colonial systems historically put in place to subjugate POCs. So, wow. pretty culturally loaded food, mm. um, and and rightly so. Um, so, what's happening in in the states and a little bit here as well is that Asian and Pacific Islander chefs are embracing spam. So, Seattle-based Hawaiian-Korean fusion restaurant chain Marination. Uh, they sell out of their Spam Masubi every day. Um, Armando Litiatko, who owns uh, FOB, a Filipino barbecue joint in Brooklyn, serves Spam twice a week for brunch, slicing the meat and smothering it in mustard, brown sugar, and then searing it the same way his mother would. And Ravi Kapoor, the chef and one of the owners of Liho Liho Yacht Club, makes Spam in-house. Uh, locally, I, I looked it up that you can get um, Spam Masubi at a bunch of... Uh, Sushi places like um, Tetsujin, the sushi train um, in the middle of Melbourne, they have it on their sushi train. I've eaten it. It's good. Um, there was a, a, a bar called Concrete Boots in Richmond that serves Spam fries for a while. Mm. It's like cut up Spam fried and um, usually with some uh, Kewpie mayo or some... Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, and Mr. and Mrs. Anderson in Hawthorne had a Spam burger on the menu for a little while as well. It doesn't seem to anymore. Um, so people... Uh, are kind of stealing it back a little bit to, to break this stigma. So I will end with Ina Carino again. So check your privilege, know your spam, and if you're brave, come and join my spam fan. So we've spoken about our love for Christmas ham mm. a bit, 
How many days after Christmas are you still eating ham? For uh, the Christmas ham? I mean, I'd call it a good, I'd say over a week, like maybe mm. 10 days. Yeah, okay. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm about a week. About a week after Christmas, I'm kind of done with ham for yeah. a few months. Yeah. Like, I love it, but I'm starting to feel like it's past its prime and potentially harboring some gross bacteria or mm-hmm. something. My family, however, have no such feelings. <laughs> um, we, we kind of traditionally go down to the beach after Christmas and stay at this kind of little beach shack with a barely functioning fridge. And my parents just <laughs> transport the huge leg of ham on the yeah. bone down there and yeah. just slice it off for weeks until the bone is bare. Just a giant hacked at pig leg taking up 50% of the fridge space. I shudder as they pull out yet another ham sandwich at the beach well into 2023. Um, is that ham actually safe to eat now that it's the new year? Personally, kind of say no. And my family says, hell yes, ham is always safe. So I wanted to look into how many days after Christmas is the Christmas ham safe to eat and how to tell if it's gone off for the safety of my family and the safety of our listeners. So according to Foodwise, which seems like a legitimate source, they say your ham will keep for several weeks with proper handling. Mm. So what is proper handling? A leg of ham needs to be stored in the fridge. Check. Yeah. Ham will keep better whole than sliced, so only slice off what's needed. Check. A special handbag, 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 or clean cotton pillowcase will keep freshness and maintain quality. Oh, that's a no from the Naismith family. Do you do that? Yeah, handbag. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or pillowcase. Okay. Um, The bag or pillowcase will need to be changed or washed and dried every three days. Well, no, don't do that. (laughs) That seems very (laughs) unachievable. Once that that ham's in the bag, it's staying in the bag until it's done. (laughs) That's like a lot more often than I change my own pillowcase. (laughs) So, ham, I'm sorry. (laughs) Settle down. Um, so the other part of this guidance was several weeks. So what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. The definition of several means more than two, but not many officially. <laughs> so I'm going to say between two or three weeks if stored correctly, which we don't do. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the thing is, my family basically never gets food poisoning. Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever got food poisoning. Right. My family, they had the great um, three olive dip crisis of like 2015 but apart from that never got food poisoning <laughs> and I eat everything so how do you tell if ham is no longer safe to eat according to the spruce eats website smell so if it smells bad don't eat it yep if it's turning green gray or black don't eat it <laughs> yep, good. Um, ham's unlikely to grow mold because it's cured but if it does don't eat it okay um, so after researching all that I can personally probably afford to loosen up a bit Mm. and continue eating ham assuming my family gets a bag for several weeks post Christmas and that is a true Christmas gift (laughs) okay I'm going to keep the Christmas gifts coming because I've got to be honest with you this next fact isn't funny doesn't Um. have a Twitter account doesn't have a 24-hour camera it's just something delicious that I make for Christmas every year and it's not actually easy to find on the internet anymore because it was really originally put up uh, as a piece of branded content that I might have had a part in making. Um, so I'm going to share it with you and I have the okay of the chef, okay. Julia Basutul Nishimura uh, or Julia um, Ostro, mm. 
many Australian foodies will know her. Great cookbook chef, great foodie person. Um, she makes the best ham glaze, and I'm going to share it with you. So you'll need a ham. Okay, step one. Step one. I get mine from Meatsmith because I live beyond my means, and uh, it's Christmas, so what the hell. Uh, you'll need cloves, like a whole bag of them. You need plenty of cloves. You need 250 mils of pineapple juice, speaking of ham and pineapple. Mm. You need 150 mils of beer, something hoppy. You want to taste it like a feral hop hog or one of those real super hoppy beers. I tend to try and get one of those. And then you, the good thing is you get to drink the other 225 mils of it. Uh, 200 grams of dark brown sugar, 100 mils of maple syrup. Um, make sure it's real maple syrup, mm-hmm. Emily. Don't fall for that trick. Uh, two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar, six cardamom pods, a cinnamon stick, and a teaspoon of allspice. You mix all of that into a saucepan and you're going to boil that down until it gets all kind of sticky and jammy. Maybe like at least half, maybe a little bit under half until it gets syrupy because you're brushing it on your ham. You want it to stick. Um, But don't do it too much because then, you know, you don't want it burning before it even gets in the oven. So then you've got to remove the skin from the ham, but make sure you leave a good layer of fat behind. And this is a trick that, that I um, I learned from Julia, take the skin off in one piece. And this is going to help your family okay. because the skin becomes a layer of protect, protective kind of wrap. Mm. So you rewrap the ham when you put it in the handbag. Okay. And that's another oh, layer damn, of protection. I thought protection. the skin was the handbag. No, you still so need you a handbag. Double bag handbag. You gotta, you're, double, <laughs> you're double bagging that ham. And that's why my hams last forever. So okay. take the skin off all in one piece and you get a big kind of sheet of pig skin, basically. The ham blanket, <laughs> and that goes in the ham and goes in the pillowcase. Everyone sleeps well. Um, okay, so you've got a ham now that's that's bald, and you're scoring it with a diamond pattern. Yep. You're putting a, a clove into each right angled cut. Don't cut too deep into the fat because if you cut too deep, it splits open while it's cooking, and it reveals the. Um, the meat and it dries it out a little bit. So just to continue the bedding analogy, that kind of diamond shape is also what you see on mattresses sometimes. Yes, you're so cutting, you're turning it into part. a ham mattress <laughs> before you wrap it in its blanket and put it in its pillowcase. Okay, um, but yeah, not too deep. I've fallen for that one before. Um, you just really want to score it like kind of a, a centimeter, like not even half a centimeter, just a score in there, and that'll give it that great sort of shape, but not not uh, dry the meat out. Uh, okay, you put it in a massive pan. Uh, so I probably should have said this at the start. Make sure you've got a big enough okay. pan because you get yourself one of those big meatsmith ham legs. You're going to need a, a big pan. Um, you put a, a layer of water at the bottom and then you brush on the first layer of glaze, put it in the oven for one to one and a half hours at 190 degrees and you keep glazing it like every 20 minutes or so. Yep. Give it another layer of glaze, keep painting that thing on. And that ham, I think I've done it three times now and I'm getting ready for my fourth. I do it every year. I apologize for anybody who was hoping that I was going to go to the Civil War. I'm sure there's Civil War ham facts. I just wanted to talk about how delicious that ham is. And sorry, Em, I didn't make any. God damn it. But I will save you some Yes. when I do it in a couple of weeks. For Two Christmas. to three weeks. You're, you're, we're fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'll see you in February. <laughs> Okay, so what did we talk about? I talked about questionable ham products in the supermarket, 
Then I looked into whether pineapple belongs on pizza and whether I like it now. And then I looked into how long you can eat ham after Christmas safely. Uh, I introduced you to the world's oldest edible ham. I looked into the spam stigma and I shared Julia Busutul Nishimura's ham glaze recipe. Your facts are pretty good. You might actually win this one. I won the last like seven or so. It's seven so. on the trot. It's like six, maybe 65-35 last time. I feel like I was getting there. I really feel like I'm getting closer. I really feel like it. So if you want to vote for whose um, facts you found most interesting, just follow us on Instagram, Ingredipedia. And yeah, let us know if you have any ingredients you want us to cover um, on our DMs and we'll see you next time. Thank you.